Welcome to Today on Broadway for March 3rd, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, we have two sides of the coin uh, to open the show with today. First, on the happy side, Broadway's own Betsy Wolf and her husband, Adam yeah. Krauthammer, who is the president and executive director of Local 802, which is the uh, theatrical musician or the musicians union that covers uh, theater. They announced that they are having a baby, their first child together. Their daughter, your baby girl, is due in May. Very cute uh, picture with uh, some avocados that uh, Betsy posted on uh, on Instagram. So congratulations to them. Then on the sad side of the coin, yesterday we learned that, I mean, I, there's no other word to use than icon, James Lipton died at the age of 93. Most people know him as the host of Inside the Actors Studio, but he was also... Uh, probably even more importantly, the dean and then the dean emeritus of the Actors Studio Drama School at New York City's Pace University. He was 93 years old. Of course, James, he also had many Broadway connections far beyond even the students that he helped shepherd. He wrote the book and lyrics for the 1967 Broadway musical Sherry and the Broadway show Nowhere to Go But Up. But James, as I was kind of curling through some old things, I think perhaps the most important thing about him is that he has been married to uh, uh, Kadeki Turner. I don't know how to pronounce her first name, but his wife is a model and real estate broker who is perhaps most well-known as being the model for Miss Scarlet on the cover of the board game Clue. So (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I can't even tell you how many hours of Inside the Actor's Studio that I've watched over the years. James Lipton was never anything short of a remarkable uh, interviewer and insightful individual, and it gave birth to one of Will Ferrell's best characters. Uh, But Godspeed to him. I know that he... Uh, His impact on actors for both stage and screen is incredibly widespread over his very, very, very long tenure with the Actors Studio. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting because people that are so far outside of the scope of Broadway know who James Lipton is and have seen inside the actor's studio and it's it has brought so many uh, great interviews to the public uh, Godspeed to him absolutely and speaking of interviews that are perhaps not even fractionally as great as those on Inside the Actor's Studio, if you head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, we have some great interviews there. You can find everything uh, that we publish in this feed. Then you can also get um, exclusives early in that podcast feed and then also uh, Patreon-only episodes, including the mammoth gargantuan recap episodes that Jennifer McHugh and I do for NBC's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. It is watching these, the, the two episodes is almost as long as listening to us talk about them and also do a, a special list of Palooza. So we're having a lot of fun doing those. If you're watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, take a listen to those episodes in the uh, Patreon feed and let us know what you think. All right. So let's uh, move into the news of the day. Uh, First up, theater organizations begin releasing statements on the coronavirus. Yeah, James, I know this is something that you mentioned being a potential concern to keep an eye on last week on the show. Um, And now it seems like uh, members of the theater community are starting to make statements about it as both the Broadway League and Actors' Equity release statements basically saying that they have heard of the coronavirus and they are thinking about paying attention to the idea of potentially doing something about it if and only if 
the situation eventually warrants. First, AEA said, quote, equity staff are having the appropriate conversations focused around how we can maintain business continuity if an outbreak becomes more severe. Equity has reached out to both state and local authorities to ensure that updates and relevant information is being shared. We have also begun conversations with major equity employers so we can ensure a safe and healthy workplace. We will continue to monitor the situation, seek guidance and best practices from the appropriate health authorities and share additional information as warranted. The Broadway League said similarly, the Broadway League is closely monitoring this evolving situation on behalf of the Broadway community. The safety and security of our theater goers and employees is our highest priority. We are following the lead of our city, state, and federally elected officials. There's your first uh, problem there. As well as implementing strategies recommended by public health authorities in all of our theaters and offices, we remain vigilant and we are prepared to make decisions based on current needs as well as in response to changing conditions. Now, James, I understand the necessity to make some sort of public statement, um, uh, but I'm not sure that either of these needed to be made publicly, <laughs> as they don't say much of anything. Uh, perhaps equities could have just been a memo to members letting them know that their union um, is is looking into this and, and thinking forwardly for how it could impact their members. But uh, it didn't say much. The league said even less. Um, and that doesn't have a specific you know, constituency that it needs to make a statement for. But uh, I don't... I don't know. There's nothing that they can do right now. And there's nothing really to even know yet. It, it, it just seems, I don't know. Am I wrong? Like, did these statements need to be made? Well, certainly talk less, smile more comes to, comes to mind. Fair. I mean, less is more. Uh, I, I they, these are such convoluted statements, both of them, uh, uh that exactly, it, does nothing to further, uh, you know, what's happening here and, and and reassure the public that both Equity and the Broadway League know what's going on here. I mean, the um, the Usher's Union, they, they have had training. Oh. The Usher's Union has had training, and they look out for people who are putting their whole mouth over the water fountain and telling them not to do that. So, <laughs> and that's that's important. Is that for real? Are they really doing that? No. Okay. No water fountains in Broadway theaters. You got to charge for water. There's water fountains in some. Are there? Yeah, I saw one. I remember it might have even been at the Hirschfeld. I think there's one. Do 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 the Schuberts charge by the minute or the second or second probably the second yeah yeah. (laughs) that's nine dollars worth of water you just drank. (laughs) I know. I think I think there is one back of house left at the Hirschfeld. If somebody knows or goes to Moulin Rouge, check because I think that's where I saw one and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, Let me know. Send me a picture because I I think I think that's accurate. Hmm. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I I hope they get something more clear out of this. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say right now. It's not at pandemic level in the U.S. yet. Obviously, it's something to be concerned about and to pay attention to. But like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, our first cases here in New York, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like I said, it's a, I understand the need to want to say something, but say something. Yeah. So why don't we say something about ExpressVPN? Yes, let's please do as the internet continues to be even more confusing and dangerous. 
having a VPN does far more than just allowing you to view media from other regions that you might not otherwise be able to. A VPN, especially one as secure as ExpressVPN, keeps you safe online and it makes sure that everything you have on your device is private. Now, being that we are an entertainment-based show, James, it is, of course, important to make sure that people do realize that this can help you see all of the different entertainment from around the world, mm-hmm. no matter where you are. So, yes, that's important, and I want to focus on that. But privacy and security is very important as well, especially as we become more and more dependent on being online for our day-to-day lives. So getting a, a subscription with the ExpressVPN is not only practical, but it also is enjoyable as well because there's never any buffering or lagging no matter what you are watching, and you can stream everything in HD. ExpressVPN is uh, also fantastic because you can watch whatever video that you're watching on any device that you have, whether that's phones, smart TVs, video game systems, whatever you want. And if you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Broadway, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support our show, watch whatever you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Broadway. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. What do we have in uh, last week's Broadway grosses? <laughs> uh, James, as is pretty standard for late February, the Broadway grosses took another hit last week as they declined more than 11 percent or north of three million dollars to come in at twenty six million one hundred nine thousand four hundred nineteen bucks. Only five shows saw week to week gains. One of those was West Side Story, which makes sense because it's coming off of its heavily comped opening week. But then the other four were all plays. Now, James, I don't know what that means, if anything, um, but it is interesting nonetheless. West Side Story picked up 145,000 Grand Horizons in its final frame on Broadway, added 61K. The Inheritance, after announcing a closing in a few weeks, rose 31,000. A Soldier's Play, which... You know, has an end date coming, but is not necessarily uh, didn't have a closing tied to last week. I did pick up 10K and my name is Lucy Barton, which also closed this past Sunday, gained 4,300 bucks. Now, despite my scathing review of the national tour last week, (laughs) Hamilton still was on top of the Broadway grosses by more than 1 million bucks, coming in at $2,696,189. They were followed by West Side Story at just under 1.6 million, then Moulin Rouge, The Lion King, Tino, Wicked, To Kill a Mockingbird in just seven shows because of the uh, Madison Square Garden show, Uh, then Aladdin, Beetlejuice, Hadestown, and Ain't Too Proud, all in seven figures. Now, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child actually had its lowest grossing week on Broadway ever at just $839,000. But that was at least in part because they had TDF autism friendly performances last week. And remember, if this is a two part show, so if they're doing one, they have to do two. So surely with a show as special effects heavy as this one i imagine that that probably deterred some folks from wanting to come and see that performance so i think that while i don't think that harry potter and the cursed town is doing nearly as well as i would have thought the 10-year minimum that i think we talked about when it first opened james is seeming less and less likely i don't think that this is a death knell uh to its chances to last on broadway for a while but, James, looking at the shows in previews, six brought in 897,000. Girl from the North Country did just 503K. Uh, then the Minutes did just over 437,000. All three of those shows did a standard eight show week, by the way. And then Hangman brought in just over 139,000 
over its two performances. So, James, nothing super surprising by these numbers, but it will be fun to see how the new shows fare as they start to begin performances and open up, and then how those will impact the shows that have been on Broadway um, for months or years uh, as a new crop of competition comes to the main stem. So it's interesting, the uh, the Harry Potter thing, um, because... Uh, what was it? Eight hundred ninety thousand for Harry Potter. Eight hundred thirty-nine. Eight hundred thirty-nine thousand for Harry Potter, um, which is still really, really good. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's not in the Million Dollar Club. But uh, also with the two shows out for the autism-friendly performances, I don't know if they uh, discounted tickets or did something else or uh, set aside blocks that did or didn't sell but i'm not i don't know uh do you know if harry potter gets much walk-up business with with it being a two-parter and things like that i don't know what the breakdown is but i would imagine that if you were going to see this show it's a commitment that you make ahead of time it's a day or even two evening uh, commitment that you're making so i'm not sure that they have a lot of walk-up business so uh well i just wonder if they've been advertising it as the autism friendly performance that people are like, well, I was, I was going to go, but I'm going to go another day that week, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go next weekend just because they know I'm, I'm assuming that there are going to be some elements of that show. I haven't seen it, um, that they just can't do for the autism friendly performance. So I'm, I'm imagining as soon as they knew they were going to do that, they would advertise it thusly and maybe deterred some folks from wanting to buy tickets for those dates. And your review of the Hamilton tour down in Miami, okay. I yeah. mean, I'm not sure. I what was that? I fired. Did did Lynn have me fired? No, no, not at all. In, in fact, uh, I, I, I'm not sure that uh, you know you had a, you had the perfect storm there of oh, ba- of, of bad seats and a very long drive in both directions and. Uh, and as you said, maybe not the perfect casting and things like that. And who knows? They could have had just an off night. It, it could have just been like uh, you and George Clooney on a boat heading out to sea to get some fish. I don't. Uh, it's a perfect storm. I get it. Yeah, Thank you. Exactly. I, I mean, if you'd have thrown in Mark Wahlberg, I would have gotten a little quicker. I, you know, I was trying to throw in uh, Marky Mark, but I, I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> there you go. This is so so good looking. They named him twice. Yeah, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Has Marky Mark ever been on Broadway? No. You know what? He hasn't. But I would not be. I mean, he's a very talented actor. Yeah, like, I he is. I would not be surprised if at some point Scott Rudin gets him to do some sort of revival of a, an O'Neill drama or something. Oh, just when the uh, when the thing at Madison Square Garden for Mockingbird happened, did they have even one empty seat? I don't know. I don't know. Why? Because he, you know, they've had that advertising campaign that they've never played to an empty seat. Oh, did they? I've never seen that one. Maybe yeah, that's the, a more specific uh, campaign. Yeah, the uh, they they have a campaign that says uh, uh, "To Kill a Mockingbird" has never had an empty seat in its entire run. You know, something. It's because because Rudin sends over his office staff to fill seats if uh, if they need to. Ah, 
Exactly. All right. What do we have in show and casting news? All right, James, let's start with the classic stage company's upcoming revival of Stephen Sondheim and John Weidman's Assassins. The show begins rehearsals today, Tuesday, March 3rd, but it already announced an extension of three weeks, thus granting my wish to extend to when I will be in town in June. Wait the show one will now- second. It, how is Ashley going to be at company and Assassins at the same time? Well, performances don't begin uh, in uh, for Assassins until April, so she has all of May or all of March to get her company in, and then she'll move over to Classic Stage Company. But uh, this extension does carry the show through at least June 7th, and tickets will go on sale on Tuesday, March 10th at noon Eastern time. I have three email reminders to make sure that I'm on there. <laughs> And no chance of missing that one. Um, also announced, though, they announced the ensemble uh, for the for the show, including Rob Morrison, Zell Steele Morrow, Bianca Horn and more. And they announced that Eddie Cooper uh, will be playing the proprietor. So uh, so that's exciting there. Next up, the Irish uh, Repertory Theater announced on Monday that they would be extending Lady G colon plays and whisperings of Lady Gregory. Then this is written by Lady Augusta Gregory, um, and uh, it is being given an extra week and will now play through March 29th. And finally, we learned that stage and screen heartthrob Patrick Wilson will join the next performance of Waterwell's nomadic docudrama, The Courtroom. The show, of course, is based on real court transcripts of a woman's deportation proceedings and will next play at Symphony Space on Monday, March 9th. James, it's about time we get Patrick Wilson back in a play proper, isn't it? Or a musical, too. Yeah, that's uh, it's long, long, long overdue. But I, he's been so focused on television and film that uh, it's it's been a it's tough to, you know, we talk about the schedules all the time. But, you know, if Marky Mark and uh, George Clooney can do it, maybe Patrick can do it as well. I mean, might as well. Might as well. I, yeah. I think I think he can. Um but yeah, I uh, would love to see uh, uh, Patrick do something a little bit more um, permanent, but we'll see what happens. One night, one night isn't bad. I mean, you know, we have to we have to look out into the schedule a year or so and see what's in development. What can Patrick originate? Because he's certainly not going to come back to replace or something like that. No, but he could he could definitely lead a like a, a limited run revival or play. Hmm. Yeah. And also one other thing I I should have mentioned, I don't know why I didn't put this in the script. Eddie Cooper, who is playing the proprietor in Assassins, is Chuck Cooper's son. Uh, I just I didn't want to take that for granted and not mention that. But he is uh, Chuck Cooper's son, Tony Winter, Chuck Cooper's son. And of course, that means Lily Cooper, Tony Lily, Nominee, Cooper, Lily yeah. Cooper's mm-hmm. sister or brother. So uh, I didn't want to take for granted that people knew that. Um, so just throwing that out there. Wow, they were they related to the Fosters, or the Lunt, Lunt Fontans? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Barrymores. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Uh, you're not Ashley, so I'm not going to ask you where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at No, this is Ashley. My name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. Two for Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, and uh, Corona Taco Tuesday. Tuesday! <laughs> and uh, I think Ashley and Matt will be back and talk with you tomorrow. Unless she like hides out in a bathroom at the Jacobs or something. Yeah, all of a sudden, starring company. She's making slips. She's inserting them into programs. Yeah.